good morning, church. Let's stand together as we worship Jesus. As we lift hands, we lift our voices. Sing about his love this morning.
last several weeks about healing and how it's God's heart. And um, as I was standing over there, I just felt really impressed too. You know, God wants to heal our bodies. And um, I don't know if you if you're on Facebook, you may have saw, um, but uh, one of my friends and someone who actually uh, put up a lot of this equipment when we were moving in, uh, him and his company were here. Uh, we had an incident. Uh, some wires got cut during COVID, and uh, the, the, we found out the, the day before we were supposed to come back. And um, he came in on a Saturday, and uh, long story short, uh, his wife is 36 weeks pregnant, and um, they were she was having some health issues, and so they went to the hospital. And um, when they got there, they tested her, and they realized that she had COVID. And um, they uh, she has a lot of fluid around her heart, and so they had to do an emergency C-section. They took the baby. The baby's doing great, um, but uh, Renee is her name. Uh, as the last I heard, uh, she's not doing well. And uh, so as Nick continues to play that, I'm going to ask, uh, you know, we're, God, we're a people that believe that, that God heals and, uh, and that he cares for his people and it's his heart. And so I'm just going to ask if you would just, right where you are, if you would just take a moment and let's pray for Mike and for Renee and, and for this child uh, that God will, will intervene in this situation. Uh, she's not very old at all. And um, we're just praying for God's healing power. Can you do that with me? Father, I come before you this morning. God, we know that we need you. God, not, not for one second can we do without you. God, you have told us in your word that you're the God who heals us. And God, I pray right now that you will uh, come down into that hospital room where Mike and Renee uh, are. And God, that you will touch her body. God, you said that, that by your stripes, we are healed. And God, we stand together with this family and with their friends. God, believing and knowing, God, that with you, all things are possible. God, we are believing for a, a supernatural healing of her body. God, that you will touch her and touch her life. God, not that man can receive the glory, but so that God, when we look back on it, God, we can know and we can without any doubt say, that you perform something supernatural in their lives. God, we stand together. We believe as believers in Christ with them. God, we pray that you'll do something in their lives. Father, we know that without you, we're nothing. But God, with you, it's possible. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you. Give somebody a... Uh, air high five or a air elbow bump or let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. It's so wonderful, such a, a great looking uh, crowd today and congregation. Uh, if you're a guest, thank you for being here and uh, I would love the opportunity to uh, uh, meet with you after service and uh, just uh, get to know you just a little bit better and uh, you can come downstairs to the cafe the left hand side uh, which would be this side over here and I'd love just an opportunity to uh, for you to meet uh, the staff and and we're just glad you're here and uh, we are excited about what God is doing it's been a long several months and um, you know we have always said around here and one of our core values is is life is better together 
And uh, this has uh, no doubt just re-emphasized uh, the, the point that, that we can't do life without, you, without each other. Uh, I want to let you know of a couple of things. Um, life groups are starting this week, and you're going to hear a bunch more about that in the next uh, 30 minutes. Uh, also, we have a um, child dedication next Sunday. So if you have a, a child that you would like to be dedicated, we'll be doing that during the 930 service. And uh, just get with my wife, and, and we'll take care of that. And then the Sunday after that, uh, the 18th, uh, during uh, the same service, 930, we're going to be doing a water baptism. And so if you would uh, have never been water baptized, I would encourage you to take your next step. And uh, we would love to... Uh, uh, we'd love to dunk you. No, we would love for you to, uh, to take that next step. And it, all, all we believe it is is just a, an outward confession uh, and of what you've confessed already on the inside. And uh, so we would love for you to do that. Life is better together. We are better together. Anybody ever heard me say that? Anybody not heard me say that? You'd be lying if you didn't because I just said it, right? I was trying to trick you. Nobody raised their hand. So uh, you're, you're, smart. you're smarter than that, that first crowd. Um, I hope they're not watching. Don't tell them I said that. Life is better together. There is more fruitfulness that happens when we do life together. Uh, when they created the atomic bomb, they, they, they took an atom and they split it. And when they did that, it created fission. Now, that created a, an enormous amount of power. But then they took two atoms and they put them together. And when they did that, they created what's called fusion. And that created a force that was 10 times greater than the atomic bomb. It was 100,000 kilotons of TNT. So when we look at these two things, there's fission and there's fusion. Now, the Bible tells us that if one can put 1,000 to flight that two can put 10,000 to flight. Now, in my sixth grade math class that I've been doing the last eight weeks, I've been learning about ratios. And I understand that one to 1,000 is not equivalent to two and 10,000. It doesn't work. But the Bible is giving us a principle here. The Bible is continually giving us principles in life to help us. To give us wisdom. Genesis chapter 11 verse 6 says, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Uh, so what we have here is we have a story of some people who had come together and they were starting to build a tower and they were trying to, to, to build this tower to reach the heavens. And as they begin to, to build that, God looks down and he said, listen, these people have come together. They have a purpose in their heart. They have a unity in their life. And because of that unity, even though what they're doing is not what I want them to do, even though I'm not helping them do what they're set out to do, because they're united, they can accomplish it. And so we begin to think about that and we say, listen, if people who aren't following God, if people who, who don't have God's best interest in mind can come together in unity and cause something to happen, then what could we do with the power and the Holy Spirit in us if we would come together 
in unity and do what God's called us to do. <coughs> Excuse me. When people come together for the glory of God, uh, we think about the word community. And in that, I, as I was looking at it, we could say common unity. Common unity. And, and what that is, is it's an unstoppable force. People who have things in common and they come together in unity, they can't be stopped. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that when this happens, that the gates of hell, God said, I'm going to build my church. And when I do that, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, there's no power. There's nothing that can stop what God wants to do. As they begin to, to build this church in Acts chapter 1 and 2. That's about all the water I can stand in about a week too, so that's perfect. When they begin to build the church in Acts chapter 1 and 2, and the church started to come together, there were 120 people that they come together in the upper room, and they had been told to wait there. Wait on the promise of the Father, the one that I'm going to send. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit fell. And when that happened, it said that they all began to, they could understand each other. They began to speak in a language where they could be understood. And 3,000 people that day were saved, were added to the church. And then we start looking all throughout Acts. Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, a lame man was healed. And then it said 5,000 people got saved. And they're doing life together. They're praying together. They're eating together. Uh, they're, they're doing work of the kingdom together. God is blessing the church. And then we come to, to Acts chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 9, we begin to see that the spirit of religion comes against the church. You say, what is that? Well, Saul was going and persecuting the church. And then he's on the road to Damascus, and he has an encounter with God. And if you know the story, he goes from, from persecuting the church to preaching the gospel. So once again, the church, God's work is being moved forward. Acts chapter 10 and 11, Peter gets a vision. He goes to Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile. He leads him to Christ. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So now not only the gospel is not only going to the Jews, but it's going to the Gentiles as well. So everything is going great. The church has is, is got such momentum. And then Acts chapter 12 happens. Acts chapter 12 takes place. As I look at this, and I start thinking about our church here. Uh, as we rolled into to 2020, we had great momentum. Uh, we, had, uh, we had just made the decision before any of this to go to two services. We had people signing up to serve and signing up for life groups. And, and, and then opposition. Something that, that, that we, was unexpected. It hits. And it just brings us uh, to the reality that great momentum doesn't mean that we will not have opposition. 
Just because we have momentum, just because things are going good, doesn't mean that there's not going to be opposition. And, and the, what happened here in, in the book of Acts is just a perfect example of that. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us this. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, which was John's brother, killed with a sword. So here, everything is going good. But then there starts some persecution, some opposition, some things that they weren't really ready for. The grandson of Herod, uh, the same Herod that, that had killed all the babies two years under the age of two during the time of Jesus because he was insecure about this coming king, uh, that, that his grandson throws them in jail. He beheads James. And so now opposition has hit. What are they going to do? How are they going to, to get through this? How are they going to, 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 to work through it? Verse 5 tells us this. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Uh, one version says he prayed passionately for him. So in this moment, when the opposition hit, they came together and they prayed. You see, the human tendency is when things are going well, when our life is going really well, our human tendency is to think, man, I don't, I don't need church this weekend. Man, I, I don't need anybody else in my life. I don't need a life group. We become lax because everything's going well. But then opposition hits, and then we realize, hey, wait a minute, I, I need some help. And that's what happens here. They, they, the opposition hits, and they realize, hey, we've got to do something about this. You ever been on a diet and, and you're doing really well and you're, you're losing weight and, and you get to a point and, and then you become a little lax because your clothes are fitting better and you're feeling good, you know, and then Julia Lee brings a Mountain Dew cake uh, on a Sunday morning and you're down there thinking, I know I shouldn't as you shove it in your mouth. Uh, if you come to two services like you, if you're really good about it, you can get two pieces. But you're doing really well, and then that, that, that opposition, that temptation hits. And that happens in our life, and that happened here. They said, we got to do something about this. It says, they come together, they begin to pray. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says this, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He says, listen, we cannot neglect meeting together. Now, this doesn't just say meeting together on a Sunday. Uh, in, in the New Testament church, they were meeting together continuously all the time. Why do we need to do that? Because opposition is going to intensify. Things are, are, are going to just continue 
to get worse. Our kids are, are going to face things that we would have never dreamed of facing. We better stick together. We better have them in a place where they can have community. We're better together. Going to church, going to a life group, just hanging out with people, doing life with people who make us better, who help propel us. You see, a community makes our faith proactive. It makes our faith proactive. What does that mean? A lot of times our faith is reactive. In other words, our faith is only activated because something happens. But when we're together in community and we're propelling each other to be better, our faith becomes proactive. In other words, we're looking for ways to be better. Four ways. First of all, it's for kingdom work. Community helps us in kingdom work. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. You ever been trying to do a job and, and you needed like two more pair of hands? You know, you're trying to, to, to measure and nail and do everything at the same time. Not that I've ever done any of that, but I've, I've watched. Two people are better off than one. These people, uh, they come together to pray. Why? Because someone was in bondage. Someone was in prison. Someone needed rescued. They needed something supernatural to happen in their life. So they came together and they prayed. We have people in our lives. There's people sitting here today or watching who are in bondage. They need rescued. It says two people are better than one. You see, none of us have the whole package. You say, what do you mean? I've heard it put this way. We don't have it all together, but together we have it all. We don't have it all, but together we do. You see, Christ completes us but others compliment us. Listen, if you're here and you're single today, you don't need to be married or you don't need someone in your life to be complete. Christ makes you complete. Well, when you become a, a follower of him, you become complete. You don't have to get married to be complete. All my single people said amen. But why does God give us helpmates? Why does he give us Churchmates, it's to compliment us. It's because we need each other. I'm a very unorganized person. Nobody said amen, good. People have learned if they have something that needs to get somewhere, they don't give it to me. Our, our clerk probably would like to hang me by my toes sometimes. I'll, every Sunday afternoon, I'll get a text message that says, uh, I need a receipt for this. And I'm thinking, oh, what do I do with it? I've got to now where everything has to be electronic. But if somebody wants something to go somewhere, I've even got to the point 
that if they bring it to me, I, uh, I don't want it. Give it to her. Because I know it'll get to where it needs to go. Now, I don't need her to be complete, but I need her to compliment me. I, I need her to, to help me in this thing called life. In the Old Testament, it talked about how that, that the fields, that when they went to plow the field, they would yoke together a young oxen and an old oxen. They would put them together. Why did they do that? It's because the young oxen had all the strength. And the older oxen had the know-how. And my 16 over crowd said, amen. Let me teach you young and something. But if they put just the two older oxen together, well, they knew what to do, but it would take a long time to get it done. But if they put the two young oxen together, they would just go at it crazy. They couldn't plow in a straight line. So they put the two together. Why? Because they complemented each other. The Bible says that, that one plants and one waters. Listen, you have what someone else needs. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 tells, puts it this way. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. God has put something in you, not just for your benefit. Not just for his benefit. He's put something in you so that you and we can help each other. You have a gift. You can't hold it to yourself. You need to share it in the setting of, of a community. You don't need a platform to minister. You have a platform. And that platform and your sphere is your sphere of influence. Your friends, the people that you work with, the people sitting around you today. You come together in community and the power of community coming together for kingdom work. Listen, when we were putting this and, and trying to get this building ready, there were days that there were only like two or three people here. We didn't get a lot of work done. But I can tell you the night before we opened this church, there was so many people that showed up and there was so much work that took place that night and early that morning till about 3 a.m. But we got it done. Why? Because we came together as a community wasn't just one, two, or three people. A community of people came together, and because of that, we accomplished so much more. Kingdom work. Secondly, life struggles. Anybody ever had any struggle? Anybody have a struggle going on right now? Let's just be honest. Listen, having struggles is not a lack of faith. Having struggles is life. We live in a harsh world. The Bible says that, that through one man that sin entered the world, and because of that, it's harsh. It's hard. There's going to be struggles. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 10 says this. It says, but listen, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You remember that commercial where 
the elderly person had the, the, the medic thing around their neck and, and, and they had this really cheesy commercial and she falls over on the floor and she, what'd she say? Help, I can't, I've fallen and I can't get up. That's funny until you're the one in the floor without a medic button. Why did they create that? Because they knew there would be times in their life that they would fall and if they didn't have anyone to help them up, they would lay there in the floor. I was going to tell a story about somebody, but I won't. She was here first service and... Um, I didn't tell it, so I shouldn't do it. She's not here, right? Okay, I will anyway. There was this time that uh, we were somebody who's a really good cook in our, and she was making soup. We were having a, a big soup kickoff. We were still at the other building. If you've never been to the other building, it was steep steps down, and the kitchen was downstairs. And so all of a sudden, I hear click, click, click. And I walk downstairs, and there is this unnamed person laying in the floor, surrounded by soup, the whole pot of soup. And some spiritual saint said, how much soup did she lose? <laughs> but we're laying there and she said, I had my watch is all I had, but I, she had an Apple watch. She said, but I didn't know how to use it. I was just yelling and hoping someone would hear me. Why? She needed somebody to help her up. He said, if one person falls, and so it, a couple of us got, her knee had given out. We got together and we picked her up. We set her on a stool. Listen, I don't want to do life alone. We need each other. We have to have each other. We are better together, whatever we face. You say, well, why is it so important? Why should I be that kind of person? I'm tired of, of always giving. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 tells us this. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. What does that mean? That means there's gonna be times that you're gonna be the one doing the watering. You're gonna be the one helping. But if you're willing to do that and you surround yourself with a community of people, there's going to be times that you need watered as well. There's going to be times, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Listen, there are days that I need watered. There are days that, that, that life's struggles weigh me down. And having a, a community of people, you, you get a text message from some, somebody that said, hey, you, know, you were on my mind, how are you doing? Why do I have that in my life? Well, the Bible says, because I've watered. And when you become that generous person who, who waters, you know that in turn, there's gonna be times that you need watering as well. There's been times in my life that I have helped pick people up, but there's also been times in my life that people have helped pick me up. That's what community is all about. It's when we struggle, when we have struggles in our life, it's picking each other up. Thirdly, we need community because of spiritual battles. 
How many people know that, that there are spiritual battles? Uh, the Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against darkness, principalities, high places. That's what we wrestle against. And there's going to be times that, that we face spiritual battles. Listen, as we continue toward the return of Jesus, it's only going to intensify. It's going to, the persecution, the opposition, it's only going to get worse. Jesus told us that there's going to be people who try to harm you. And a lot of times it's going to be people who think they're doing God a favor. But the opposition is going to be there. The spiritual battle is going to be right in front of you. It's going to intensify against you. It's going to intensify against the church. The Bible calls it an antichrist spirit. You see, this word of God, the, the older that I get and the more that I see, I realize that this Bible is quickly becoming an offense to the world. In many circles already, this is labeled as hate speech. And as we continue to, to march toward the end of time, it's going to intensify. They're going to say, don't, don't, don't tell me that Jesus is the only way. Don't tell me that Jesus is Lord. Don't preach that. It's offensive. Listen, it wasn't Saul that put Peter and James in jail. It was Herod. It was the government. It was political opposition. We're going to come into a time where don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me who to believe in. You think, well, man, I never thought that could come to America. The Bible says it's coming. You look at the churches and it's already in places like China and Russia, but guess what's happening there? Where there's opposition, churches are exploding. Why is that? It's because they've come together. They know that there's strength in numbers. They've come together. They've stood together. And the church, the kingdom work, the message of God is going forward. We have to stand together. We have to, to, to be together. Why? Because there's comfort in that. There's comfort in that. Not too long ago, my um, mom, who I didn't know was going to be here, she got to experience her first plane ride. Almost 66 years in this world and had never been on a plane. And so I made up in my mind, I said, before she gets senile, we're going to put her on a plane. So we scheduled a trip, and I sat right across the aisle from her. Now, the first time, anybody, anybody remember the first time that you flew? You'd hit a little bit of turbulence, and you were like, what was that? Or the bell would start chiming. I remember, I'd think, what was that? And somebody gave me a very good piece of advice one time. It says, don't look at the people around you, but watch the flight attendants. If they look scared, 
Get ready for the oxygen mask because they're getting ready to drop. If they look like everything's okay, just sit back and watch a movie. But I did that because I knew that there was comfort in being with someone who had experienced it. And so every time something would happen, I wouldn't look at her immediately because I wanted to have her just a little bit of fear. But I'd look over and she'd look, I'm like, it's okay, it's all right. If I'd have been a mean son, I would have like, you know, got a really scared look on my face, but she wouldn't have been able to see it because I had a mask on. But why, why was, and so when it was over, I asked her, how was it? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. But now I can guarantee you if it had just been her and dad, he had flown one time. I took him in on his first plane ride probably 10 years ago. If it had just been them without somebody who had experienced it, they'd been terrified. Life is better together. We need to be together because there's going to be times that we need that comfort. We have to stay strong. You need to be in and connected to a church, to a life group, to a community of believers in order to stay strong, in order to have comfort, in order to propel yourself to not give up when spiritual battles happen. Next, we need godly counsel. Godly counsel. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 13. This is Solomon writing this. He says, Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. Now, I believe that Solomon was writing this about himself because he had gotten to a place that, that he wouldn't listen to or, or no one would give him counsel. Now, this is the man that said, wisdom is better than gold. It's better than rubies. This was a man that everybody looked at and they were enamored by his riches. But he got wise and he grew old. And in that point, he became seasoned and he becomes successful. And those two things will, will hold you back. It's thinking that you're, you're so seasoned and you're so successful that you do not need counsel. You say, I, I've been around a long time. I, I don't need advice. I don't need counsel. I'm successful. You see, Solomon got to a place that he thought, I don't need it anymore. I mean, it's apparent. No one stopped him from having 700 wives. If he'd had friends in his life, he'd say, listen, that's way too many. And then if 700 wives wasn't enough, he said, well, just give me another 300 concubines. He wouldn't listen to counsel. He had nobody in his life to help Clear his mind. You see, and the problem is, is, is that we get to a, a point in our life that we stop seeking or stop listening to counsel. We're alone. We set ourselves apart. That's such a dangerous place to be because let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what counsel will do in your life. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 puts it this way. It says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. 
Anybody know somebody that just their life is filled with drama? Just, just from one, I mean, I know this front row. Y'all know all about drama, don't you? Listen, my daughter's getting ready to be close to being a teenager, and I just, hey, I can already see it coming on. And there'll be things that happen in her life. But you know what she's smart enough to do? Not just because she's my kid, but she'll come to one of us, and she'll say, this has happened, especially when she was actually in school. Now she has drama in her life. It's just from her other schoolmates, her mother and I. But they have this great thing called FaceTime. Anyway. But she'll come to us and she'll say, this happened. What should I do? And she doesn't know it, but that is wisdom. Why? Because I've been there. I mean, I've not been an 11-year-old girl, but, but I've been... <laughs> I've been there. And what happens when we're willing to, to listen to counsel from wise people, a lot of times we get counsel from people who need counsel themselves. But you know what happens when you get counsel? It will eliminate drama in your life. You want to eliminate drama in your marriage? Go get some counsel. And don't get counseling from your buddy who's been divorced six times and working on number seven. You get godly counsel. You get wisdom. Why? Because there's safety in it. You shouldn't have drama in our life. What, as a matter of fact... The world should look at us and be amazed at the lack of drama in our life. Why? Because I have people in my life that are giving me counsel. And when that happens, drama goes away. I want the world to look at us. And here's what I want them to do. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. You ever been out on a clear night? Now, I'm not a stargazer, but there's one thing that that just amazes me is to go outside on a clear night and just to see all the stars in the sky and to see how they're shining so bright. And this verse found in Daniel says, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. We will be, and people will be, in amazement at our lives. Listen, when we work together, we're going to shine. When we have unity, because it's so uncommon in the society that we're living in, when we come together as a church and as a community of believers and we're doing life together just like they did it in in the book of Acts, when we work together, when we share our gifts in a setting of community, when we get wise counsel, do, do you know what happens? Community makes victory possible. No other way to put it. Community makes victory possible. Uh, Look at this. Peter's in jail. Peter's in jail. 
A group of people come together. They pray. And the Bible tells us that when they pray, that an angel shows up, that he touches the gates and they open, that he touches the chains and they fall off. And then we read in Acts chapter 12, verse 9. He said, it seemed like a dream. He went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. So when this happened, Peter said, this can't be real. It cannot be reality. But it was. And as he continued to go, he began to realize, hey, this is not a dream. This is not a vision. This is reality. And so the Bible says that he left the prison. He left that place and he went to Mary's house. In other words, uh, the people that he had been doing life with, he ran to his life group. And when he got there, it says the servant Rhoda came to the door. Peter's knocking. She gets so excited that she doesn't even let him in. He's standing there knocking and she's looking. And then she goes away and goes, tells him, hey, Peter's here. And they say, you're crazy. No, no, Peter's here. Peter keeps knocking and says, hey, let me in. But Peter goes in and they become amazed. And in that moment, he realized that the power of people coming together had set him free. That his dreams had been turned into reality. Last verse, Psalms chapter 126, 1 through 3. It says, it seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. Can you imagine Peter, who had watched his friend be beheaded. Can you imagine the joy that entered his soul when he was set free? Can you imagine the people in his life group, the people who had, he was doing life with, the people that had been praying for him? Could you imagine how happy that they were and they realized that, that there was power in coming together? Why? Because we are better together. We are better together. And if you've been around here a long time, you are probably tired of hearing it. To be honest, if everybody just get it, I wouldn't have to preach it. The reason I'm so passionate, the reason that when we founded this church, that it was so important that it was one of our core principles and core values. It is because throughout my life, I have watched it work in my own life. And, and I've told you this before. It's, you ever had a product that, that, you know, maybe one of them as seen on TV things that you buy, but it actually works? Probably not. But something that you really believe in, 
You become much more passionate about it. You want to tell people about it. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Because over the last 23 years of ministry, I've watched it play out in my life. I've watched it play out in the lives of others. I've watched people who were isolated and alone and I've watched the enemy attack them and I've watched them struggle their entire life. And I've watched people who had a community of believers. And and here's the sad part of it. If I could, if I could stand at the back door and say, these doors are locked until you put offering in the boxes and until you sign up for a life group. I just threw that first part in there. These doors are locked until you sign up for a life group. Nobody's leaving. I'd put the meanest, ugliest guys at the doors. You know who you are. I say, don't let them out. But I can't do that. As a church, all we can do is facilitate it. All we can do is give the opportunity, but it's up to you. Listen, I have to, even the way that I am, if you know me, I, I hate being alone. But over the last several months, I've had to preach this to myself. Because there's been times that I thought, you know what? Go stay at home, watch baseball, do schoolwork, throw something in the Instapot, just do life alone. But over the last several months, and, 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 and really got to that point where I've had to make myself, I've had to make myself be around people. But I'm realizing that once I start doing that, life comes back into me. I become more passionate about what I'm doing. All we can do is facilitate it. There are life groups starting today, going on all during the week. We're going to start on, on Wednesday night. If, you, if you've not been around here, you know, pre-COVID-19, we had a lot of people running around here on Wednesday nights. We stopped that because of the physical distancing and, and all of those requirements. Uh, but starting this Wednesday night, uh, we have a big enough building we can spread out. And middle school and, and high school is going to be here. Uh, we have uh, an adult life group that's going to be taking place. We have a, um, another uh, life group on Follow, a book by Andy Stanley that's going to be taking place. We have a women's group on Monday. We, ha- we have a, a, another group meeting tonight. Just going to be talking about doing life together. We have another group that meets on Tuesday, one on Friday. You're saying, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that it's important. If I could, other than making the decision to follow Christ, 
getting in community is one of the best and biggest decisions that you'll ever make. We're better together. I'm gonna ask you to stand right where you are. And I just want to challenge you this morning. I know that this is a little bit different. It's a standalone message. We'll be starting another series next week. But I just felt really compelled to just reiterate why it's so important, why we need each other. Now, the way that we, if you've been around here a lot, we've always had germaphobes. So I'd always get in trouble when I did this, but I didn't care. Because I would say, all across this building, join hands. And you'd have those germaphobes that would come to me afterwards. Do you know who, you know, yeah. I'm not going to do that today. But if there's somebody that you're sitting beside that that you came to church with, that that you're doing life with right now, if they're part of your tribe, I'm going to ask you to take their hand. And we're going to close this in, in prayer. And our prayer is going to be, God, do not let us do life alone. Give us the courage to step out of our comfort zone. Give us the courage to maybe inconvenience ourselves just a little bit. To find the value of community. Listen, we need each other. I need you. You need each other. We need each other because together we're better. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now. God, as we stand across this building, and God, I know that today has been a little bit different, but God, I pray that that through nothing that I have said, but through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you will speak into us and allow us to make the decision take the step to do life together. God, we're tired of being isolated. God, we're tired of uh, of the enemy being able to attack us and defeat us. God, we're using the wisdom of your word that repeatedly over and over tells us that two are better than one. That three are better than one. That there's strength in numbers. God, I pray for everyone here. God, speak to their hearts. God, no longer let us be satisfied with living life confined in our four walls. But may we open up our house. May we open up our hearts to the idea that we're better together. Father, by your your power, Speak it into the lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we do this before we leave? Can we? It's beautiful to worship together. I'm going to have them sing. And we're just going to, to sing a course of praise. And then you can go sign up for a life group. You do that at gate.life gate.life. It's there, or you can just come to me and I'll walk you through it. Let's worship together before we leave.
pray that you go today ready to fight your battles with God and with each other. God completing us, us complimenting each other, that we can fight our battles and that we can be victorious. Have a great Sunday. We love you. We can't wait to, to see you. Sign up for a life group. Have you heard that? 